the the system was every engineer was basically an advocate, which is like a great way to start your company. Like I honestly think most companies, instead of hiring a proper advocate, like hire engineers that don't mind talking. Get someone who knows your product like very intimately, but also can talk about it. Like that's that's extremely valuable. So think about that when you're you're thinking about your first couple of hires. Hi everyone, you're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Brian Douglas, who is also known as B-Doggy on the internet and is the founder of Open Sourced, the open source intelligence platform. Um, Brian was previously DevX lead at Netlify before becoming director of developer advocacy at GitHub, um, all the way through to IPO, I think. Um, not IPO, sorry, Microsoft acquisition. <laughs> acquisition, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and was also on uh, Showmix software snack bites episode. Um, so thanks to Showmix for introducing us to Brian. Um, thanks so much for joining, Brian. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I'm super excited to, to dig in and talk dev tools and yeah, my journey through them. Yeah, I mean, you've been there at like the early stages of some of the most iconic dev tools. Um, and one of the things you spoke about on Showmix podcast was about when you first joined GitHub and you first joined Netlify and you kind of went in with this plan of 30, 60, 90 of what you were going to do in the first days. And I wonder if you could talk a bit more about what your plan was when you joined and if there's any changes that you would make now. Yeah, you know, in hindsight, always, always things you would change, but also it. It, you wonder if like if you change something else, would your would the journey be different, uh, or would you even be at this place? Because like uh, at Netlify, um, so I I joined as employee number three. Uh, I was a long time a year I spent as a customer. Well, honestly, I was a user because they didn't have a paid plan, um, but I was a, a, just a power user and had a blog and a podcast because uh, I yeah just wanted to host my myself on the internet and talk about stuff that I was working on. And uh, so in that experience, in the, I guess what, it was an interview, but it was like a coffee chat, really. Um, they pitched me on joining the team based on my background in sales, but also my years as an engineer um, to be like one of the first non, I was like the first non head of um, in engineering person. So like they had a head of infrastructure, they had a CTO, and then there was me. Uh, and I came in this to do some front end work. Uh, ironically, I, I interviewed in Go, but then got a JavaScript job. Uh, but I digress. The 36 to 90, like in that conversation, they're like, hey, what would you do? How would you make impact if you, if you joined our team? And I was like, oh, let me just uh, give you a 30, 60, 90. And they kind of were taken aback because it's more of a, a sales plan or a business development plan than the engineering. Um, but my whole thing was that Netlify was doing something very different. Uh, they were taking what normally you would do on S3 and they were providing a, a better experience. We didn't have to zip your project and upload it to an AWS console, which was like a behemoth that was hard to use back in the day. And um, within the first 30 days, my my pitch was like, first, you know, make the product good. Like we're, the, the plan was to move to React at that point from Angular uh, and then add some other cool features and onboarding tools. Uh, and then within the first 60 days, my pitch to them was like, go to every single bootcamp and teach those bootcamp students how to build their portfolio. Because uh, it's low effort, you just build a template, and then you ship it on Netlify. And the goal was, within the first 30, six, 30 seconds to a minute of you hearing the name Netlify, you should have a site up and running. Uh, because again, like we're just like closing the gap on things like S3 and GitHub Pages. 
and we would just make it a lot easier. Um, so it was possible. Uh, so when I joined, I did just that. Like I would go do a conference talk at a, in a city. Um, so I, I mapped out all NFL cities. So there's 32 NFL teams in the US. If there's a team in the NFL, it means it's a big enough market, which means there's probably a university close by. And there's probably a boot camp close by as well. So uh, the goal was like, go to the city, meet boot camp founders, meet college professors and CS programs, and teach those students how to use Netlify. And then whenever I would do that, I'd leave with a curriculum of like, hey, if you want to embed this, it's just a, a standard URL uh, where you can take the markdown. It's also a GitHub repo. And you can embed this into your curriculum to teach all your students how to use, build a portfolio. Uh, and to success, it worked. Um, so we would grow. By the time I left, I think we were approaching like four or 500,000 users. Uh, I don't know the exact number because my whole thing is like, I don't want to pay attention to number and, and then over obsess over it. Um, so I never really track numbers that way, but every now and then like we'd have an all hands and they would mention it. Um, but yeah, that was like, that was my 36 and 90 It's like get attached to the actual funnel of where developers are coming in. And then three, four years from then, like everyone used using Netlify, which became the, became, actually it became pretty realistic. Cause I, like some random people I just run into, it's like, Hey, I'm wanting how to code. Here's my portfolio. And it's like a Netlify.app. And I'm like, Oh, it worked. Could you actually like tell us a bit about like, so you kind of, you joined um, and you were like, okay, day one of actually getting boot camps to, or going to these cities, like what, what was it actually like on the kind of like implementation of that strategy? Yeah. So it, it was, um, when I joined, I really was just engineering. I, we were just trying to build the application that was working. Uh, and we shipped this feature called deploy previews, uh, which is embeds into your GitHub PR. Uh, and it'll give you a, a link um, to be able to preview your Netlify deploy. Um, it was pretty novel. It wasn't. We weren't the first people to do this. Like Heroku was actually the first uh, company to do it. They called it Heroku Pipelines. But Heroku was like, we don't want to embed in the GitHub. Like, come to, come to Heroku. So they did it like kind of clunky. Uh, but Netlify is like distribution. Uh, three like, at that point, it was like five people at the company. So let's just embed in GitHub and do like the GitHub way. And it worked out that the CTO previously worked at GitHub and had a very deep understanding of the GitHub API, uh, which is how I learned how to use the GitHub API pretty well as well, and why I do open source today. Um, but yeah, what I'm getting at is like the first three months to four, like that summer, which is really just like building the ground game of like make sure product good, like make sure people can use it, make sure that it's discoverable. Uh, and then that, that summer I joined, Create React App came out, which Create React App is like the uh, CLI that the team created internally at Meta, but it was a community project still exists, where you get this like CLI tool to create a React App. And um, because that came out, you could create React App, a new React App, and then you could Netlify deploy all from the command line. Uh, so you could deploy a Netlify site in 30 seconds, basically. So I wrote the blog post, 30 seconds to deploy. Um, React. And it actually did pretty well. It got on Hacker News. Uh, Hacker News, like the Create React that got on Hacker News, but then we like were fast followers of it because we were just uh, not planning to be it. Like, cause I just thought it was cool because everyone was like, rah, rah, rah about Create React app. So I built that. Well, I didn't even build anything. I just wrote the blog post. Like, here's the guide of how to do it. It was like 500 words. And um, so like once we set up the structure of like the product work, then people could discover it. Um, 
at that point, I, there's a lot of boot camps in San Francisco. So I would just talk to all the boot camps I knew because previously I worked at a boot camp, uh, building out their dashboard, uh, previously it's block.io, which is now thinkful. Um, the knowing bootcamp leaders from that experience, I would just go to boot camps in San Francisco first and test out, Hey, would you like this curriculum? Like, would you like basically this URL, use it for your, like linking in your resources. You don't have to rewrite anything. Like we'll maintain it. Uh, but link in any resource, how to build your portfolio and I'll be using that LFI. And like we'd sponsor, you know, well, actually we didn't sponsor anything. I would just show up and do like a lunch and learn basically. Um, and that was it. And like folks would just love me forever because I came to talk to the students about how I cr- transitioned my career into being full-time engineering. But also while doing that convert that, that talk, I would say, Hey, here's Netlify. Here's how to use it. Uh, and it became like the the perfect situation to do that. So then my goal when I joined Netlify is like, I just wanted to do a conference talk because I just wanted to talk about this something like get on stage one day. And uh, I did that. And then I would send that same CFP to other NFL cities. And every time I got accepted, then I would then the plan was like four ideas, but three touch points. So at least either two boot camps. If it was like Chicago had like three or four of them. Um, so I spoke to like three of them there. I went to a conference. Uh, I also spoke at a meetup and I would call it the meetup organizers and be like, Hey, I saw you on meetup.com. I'm going to be in the city. I know your meetups on this day, but I'll be here on these days. Like, do you want to like, we'll sponsor pizza from Netlify, which is like what 500 bucks or whatever. Um, and I'll come and speak about deploying react apps and building your portfolio uh, in 30 seconds. So that was the that was the game, like just doing that. It, it took about probably six months before I started traveling to do that, um, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed like getting on a plane and being super cheap, staying on Airbnbs and stuff like that, and uh, really having no budget. <laughs> uh, but conferences would pay for your travel if you got accepted. So that was sort of how we got to got to kind of see this thing grow. Yeah, that's amazing. It's like such a yeah kind of. It's a lot of hustle there. Um, if you were, I mean, I guess like DevTools listening, they might be thinking like, oh, cool, let's just go start hitting up all the boot camps and tell them to, <laughs> to not tell them, but, you know, can, can I, you know, show you how to use our tool? But I imagine that may not work as well now because it's like you, it was like because it was a new strategy. Yeah. And I'd say boot camps were still like they hit their pinnacle point. Well, now it's like there's less boot camps. Well, there's, there's a lot of boot camps, but, I don't think it's as vibrant of a space. Like definitely go talk to bootcamp students and get them to use your stuff. So that way they become experts in four years and then they're, they embed it into whatever a future company is. Uh, but like you could take that same model and go to live streamers on Twitch or YouTubers on YouTube and say, Hey, you've got a community or you have a discord. Be like, Hey, we built a discord integration built on Repl.it. And uh, it uses this one API, which is our API, but like, we're going to show people how to build Discord bots to do X, Y, Z. And you go shop that around, which is like, it's business development. It's like sales 101. It's like, go figure out whatever the repeatable way to knock on doors. And it's like the, it's the, the law of averages. Like the more doors you knock on, the more chances that people will say yes. Uh, and then more opportunity you have when that content lives forever within the community. And that's like the one thing I, I learned at, so GitHub, my, uh, my 306090 for GitHub was actually, and I have very similar, was 
my, which we're trying to in, empower marketplace integrations uh, and build on top of the API and GraphQL. Uh, I only did that for like probably the first six months. And then we went directly into GitHub Actions because uh, GitHub Actions shipped and that was like the better solution. But it was, a, it was the same deal. But the difference was I was going to communities. And like GitHub explicitly does not have the GitHub community. Like there's no GitHub Discord or there's a GitHub Discord, but it's not maintained by GitHub. Um, there's like the GitHub Reddit, but it's not maintained by GitHub. But there's like all these other avenues that are not GitHub, like JavaScript and TypeScript and Rust and React. So explicitly, it was just go become best friends with all the maintainers of all these projects and all these communities and make sure they knew who to contact when they had a question about GitHub. Uh, and that was the goal. It's like we go talk to these folks, but it was the same thing as most well dev tool startups. Like build up the Rolodex so that way whenever you need a speaker at a conference or we need to like do a one-off, you know, interaction for whatever feature we're sort of testing in whatever community is like build up that, that muscle of, Hey, we're shipping a feature. Could you give us like 15 minutes to like a quick demo? Um, and also could you implement this so we can talk about you at GitHub universe? Um, so like at the point where GitHub actions was shipping in 2019, well, sorry, GitHub actions shipped in 2018. Um, but 2019 is when GitHub actions shipped CI uh, so we could do automate uh, build tooling uh, and DevOps, like proper DevOps inside of GitHub Actions. Um, my the the goal was to get all the top projects in open source using GitHub Actions, and the question was like, what are the top projects? And it was funny. It was like not funny. It was like ironic that most people didn't know what the top projects of GitHub and why. And the answer was never stars internally, and it's also never externally. Like stars is not the metric uh, for growth. Uh, because like jQuery has 50,000 stars, but jQuery is a maintenance bone. So like, did you reach out to jQuery? No. Um, so we ended up building the algorithm internally uh, for identifying what the top 100 projects were. And then we had to figure out, okay, how do we make impact really quickly about something that's brand new and people don't have a lot of context on? So we chose JavaScript as, the, as a language because JavaScript top language was easy, easy to see that in the data that we had. Uh, everyone can see that data. So we found the top 25 JavaScripts for the top 100 list. It's really top 500, but the top 100, we'll call it that. And for the DevRel team, for me, because at the point we had two developer advocates on the team at GitHub up until uh, I think 2020. Yeah, 2020 was when we actually hired. <laughs> uh, we absorbed some folks from Microsoft, but um, basically two people. And the goal was like, how do you get GitHub Actions leveraged in these popular open source projects? Yeah, so we had the 25. And then all I did was um, message, DM people and message people on Twitter. Uh, hey, GitHub Actions is shipping CI. Do you want to test it? Let me know if we can jump on a call. And uh, by the by Friday, so I was like, I mean, it might have been like Friday to Friday. But by Friday, we had 20 of the 25 using GitHub Actions in some part of the, the organization. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's it sounds like it's like a lot of things that GitHub is so already people are using it, like a core part of it at least. And they know about GitHub, but they're not necessarily like using all the things that you want and and so you're kind of building that yeah. relationship and making sure they they know all the stuff that you can be useful. Yeah, I, GitHub had a, did a great job in sort of the bottom up strategy for adoption. So the first four years, GitHub took no, no VC money at all. Like they were bootstrapping it. 
And we're building out the product for the $5, $5 really? a month for private repos for the longest time. Yeah. Up until 2012, I think was their first, first round of funding or first institutional. Um, might've been a little later than that, to be honest. Um, but so they had such good adoption and everyone just knew GitHub because they just, they were just at a, a, a good time in the market to convince people to use Git uh, and use GitHub. So the, the system was every engineer was basically an advocate. Uh, so I, I was the first proper developer advocate hired in 2018. Uh, prior to that, like if an engineer loved doing open source and they were hired, then you'd ask that engineer, hey, can you talk to the Rails community about this thing we're working on? And it was always like word of mouth, which is like a great way to start your company. Like I honestly think most companies, instead of hiring a proper advocate, like hire engineers that don't mind talking. Like hire engineers that don't mind writing a blog post because that's that's the hardest thing. It's like, Get someone who knows your product like very intimately, but also can talk about it. And that's what I did at Nellify. And that's why my career sort of shifted into this, this space. Um, but it's the same thing like when you hire your first engineer as well, like hire engineers that can be product managers. Because like adding another product manager when you have a burn rate and you're taking on capital or you're bootstrapping, like that's an extra mouth to feed basically. Uh, but if you hire an engineer that really intimately knows your product and can be product manager and can like triage issues and can ask questions to users, like that's, that's extremely valuable. So, um, think about that. Like I said, your listeners think about that when you're, you're thinking about your first couple of hires. Um, but because that was the way GitHub was built, there was tons of people and like no Rolodex, like no idea of who to talk to. And as GitHub becomes mature, it gets acquired by Microsoft, people leave. Uh, so it ended up being, I was there before Microsoft, but I was able to meet all the people who knew all the, knew all the people and, and had like built a network because I was, my job was like become friends with everyone in GitHub, outside of GitHub. And so, and in some ways I was kind of the last man standing. Like there was a lot of people that were still there for years, but like, I'm not going to reach out to Mike McQuaid and be like, Hey Mike, can you intro me? Like he would do that, but like Mike doesn't want to do DevRel or you know, um, yeah, anyway, I could name drop a bunch of other people, but like not everyone wants to be an advocate or do DevRel and send emails and plan conferences and organize meetups to boot camps and, and lunch and learns. Uh, but I was a weird one that didn't mind doing that and shipping code. Um, so, uh, sorry, I'm like trailing off basically the, uh, yeah, I already forgot the original thought that I was actually going down. <laughs> I think it was just, the whole like 30, 60, 90, right? Was it that? I think that was the main, we just, yeah, we were really, on the same thread. Yeah. yeah. I think we were just on that thread. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's like, it's that the thing that I, I always take it back on, cause I do a lot of, I do a podcast as well. Um, and I do a lot of angel investing and my whole thing is like, you have to, for getting adoption for developers doing that bottom up strategy, which I recommend for a lot of folks, you kind of have to talk about the vision and like where this thing is going. And like, what are the possibilities? So like, even before we ship CI for GitHub Actions, I remember speaking at Jamstack NYC um, and talking about how you could build CI on GitHub Actions. And I was at actually in Barcelona at Full Stack Fest. And I was talking about how you could build CI with GitHub Actions. And then, then we shipped CI with GitHub Actions. But it was like, I was doing showing the hard way to do it. To show like the pain, show like what's possible. Because like in the day, like CI existed on GitLab. CLI existed in Circle and, and Jenkins. But the challenge is like no one built CI in a way that was like truly open and that you could share across ecosystems. Like I guess GitLab. I've never used GitLab Lab CLI, uh, CLI, but or sorry, CI. But uh, I think they didn't have an open uh, version. But 
building the ubiquitous uh, ubiquity ubiquity <laughs> you anyway yeah. basically building the standard for okay now you can do ci like we've i basically frankly i don't work at github anymore but frankly what github did is they commoditize ci and cd to the point where like if you're a ci cd company today in 2023 like you're like a, you're a you're more of a bespoke or a niche product and you have to build this like the thing on top of it and, uh, and I think it's the same thing. Like no one's building orchestration software uh, unless you're building on top of Kubernetes because Kubernetes is a standard. So like, why would you go build that again when Kubernetes is good enough? And like, I think we have to get a little more time away to figure out what the next thing is uh, when it comes to orchestration. But and maybe that's coming. Maybe someone already has something out there. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like going back to like my original mention. And I think I, what I was talking about is like being the sort of advocate the first advocate of GitHub is like, figure out how to scale yourself in a way that you don't have to be the person always doing the conversations and the talking. Yeah, I think you've spoken a lot about creating advocates or kind of identifying advocates yeah. in the community. Yeah, the number, number one job for a developer advocate is to create other advocates for your product. Uh, so like if you're, if you're the only one that can walk in the room and talk about that product because you're the only one that cares, then you, you're not doing a job. Like It's got to be at a point where you can take a step back and watch the machine start. And that's what I was doing with the whole bootcamp thing. It's like everyone got the aha moment of like, oh, wow, I thought I had to like sign up for S3 and like configure the AWS CLI and like do all this like random stuff. And now you can just like connect your GitHub account to Netlify and you deploy like in 30 seconds and you're good. And then like once you, once you figure out that base layer of like what people, what you, the pain point you solve, now everyone gets to go solve harder problems. So now it's like the next thing was like, oh, how do you do headless CMSs? How do you connect my WordPress to an LFI site? Or how do I do like background jobs? Or how do I do like all that? Those problems are the next things that Netlify ended up solving later on. But like we were able to move past that pretty quickly. And I think like even when I'm working on with open source, like the challenge that I've been trying to solve with the intelligence around open source is a lot of people like this, there's this two completely separate things that people are working on, which is, I'm a developer, I want to do open source. So I'm going to like go do Hacktoberfest or I'm going to go connect my profile to this thing that's going to recommend any places to go contribute to. But then there's also, I'm a maintainer. I can't sustain this project because I need funding. Uh, I need people to help contribute with me. Like how do I even find people to contribute alongside of me? And like very few times people actually cross and say, oh, maybe I should go talk to maintainers and help them out. Or maybe I should go talk to contributors and help them out. But no one's like, oh, let me just create an ecosystem where everyone can just hang out and talk. And uh, I see countless amount of like projects that do either or, or and don't have like the sort of middle ground to, for discovery. And I think the challenge is most people think GitHub's going to ship this. And GitHub has shipped a lot of these pieces, but there's no like story to like really make this thing work. Yeah, like I guess the only thing is like the trending sort of stuff that you can see popular projects, but on the other side of it, I don't know. Yeah. And the trending is the same problem for stars right now because the trending it's yeah. If you ship a, a thousand commits, so like if you don't squash your commits, uh, it's a lot easier to be trending. Um, and if you do a hundred automated PRs, it's a lot easier to be trending. Um, but how do you, how do you distinguish like, okay, who's this automating their life? a way to like make sure PRs are released all the time. Uh, and who's like either squash and commits, like what's the, what's the story behind these contributions and why these folks top 10, 
And I think there needs to be a little bit more of a shakeup around like, okay, what is actually trending? And, and what, what is, what is this like on the list all the time? So like sort everything from hundred uh, top 100 star projects. Like I think number three is like 99 ICU, uh, which is like a, a massive markdown for free education and books. Like it's, why is that the top 10 repo on GitHub? Like it's, it's a lot of data and a lot of books, which is great, but it's just like a giant Dropbox folder for someone to drop a bunch of PDFs. But like that's, and then there's like within the top 100, like there's tons of like JavaScript interview questions. And here's a, this interview question. And it's, um, which is great. Like they belong on GitHub, but like when we, like, that's not a place that I'm like, I'm not looking for that maintainer. Cause that maintainer is like actively not participating. Like people are just uploading and they have other people doing stuff. So, and that's what we had to do with the GitHub. It's like, we had to like remove those projects as they're not going to embed actions and CI and a bunch of other stuff in their projects. So like, I guess we basically have to think, rethink on how we're thinking about the ecosystem and like what success looks like. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree because uh, just on our, like on the podcast and some other stuff I've done, like I've sometimes tried to look like what beyond the noise on Twitter and stuff like which projects are actually like getting used a lot. And then sometimes you, you find projects that have loads of GitHub stars, but then there's not many like issues created or like things are like kind of outdated or, you know, this is, it's like a lot more complex than. Yeah. There's a, a lot more nuance. Yeah. When trying to find out, is this thing still maintained? Like just ask that question and like, how do you answer that? Like, and then like, who's maintaining this? Like a lot of times that isn't a question that you want to ask, but like, it's not very clear until you like click a bunch of tabs or open a bunch of PRs and see who's approved, who's merged. I look at a commit history like that because more challenging, like we're just trying to solve that. I like, answer that question sooner uh, with open source and like another, like when you talk about noise, especially with dev tools, because uh, I see this all the time when I, I talk to somebody and they're like, Hey, help me out with my DevRel strategy. And I honestly, I, my DMs are open. I'm like, like I, I love talking to early stage companies or just dev tools, open source projects about like, how do you, how do you get started in reaching out to community? Um, and consistently everyone, they, they bring up their Slack channel uh, and they're like, oh yeah, we have 2000 or 7,000 people in Slack. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> like, yeah, all these people love our product. And I was like, are you sure? Like, cause like it's just 7,000 people in a Slack channel. is like, the, it is a lot of noise. And that, what that tells me is like, that's a lot of time. Um, and I can probably go to, well, I benefit because I'm here in San Francisco, but I can go to meetup and like ask somebody, Hey, if you heard about this thing, they go, no, they go, okay, well they have 7,000 people in their Slack. And it's like, oh yeah, but I'm not in there. So like, what does that mean to me? Uh, but then it's also 7,000 people that are probably not paying for the thing and they're getting free support and help, uh, and like feature requests and all this other stuff that how do you, how do you actually sift through all that noise? Um, in reality, like it'd be so much easier just to funnel those folks into the comment thread of a blog post, uh, or funnel that to your Twitter instead. And like that become the community. Cause at least that signal it's SEO driven or that signal is like discoverable. And then you could use that, that actual signal of, okay, 7,000 people on Slack, but how many are active commenters? And like a lot of times what this is, is like when you sign up for their, their thing, they send an email, it's like, join our Slack. Or you automatically get invited to the Slack, which is cool because like I get what 
I, so every time I'll get like 8,000 page views, unique page views because of something that went out, but we don't get 8,000 people sign up for open source. So like, how do you actually see what engagement looks like? And, um, which is why I put, I push everyone to, I do have a discord. So like, I, I'm also part of the problem, but, but it's like knowing what to do with that energy. Like, how do you convert that energy into, oh, 7,000 people in my Slack. Every time we open a stack overflow question, it's answered within 30 seconds. Or every time we we ship a blog post or a tweet, we get X, like 10% click throughs, or we get a uh, hundred thousand impressions because of like our army of Slack users. So like, how are you leveraging that to get the word out about your product? It's usually the question I ask, like, cool, 7,000. Like, what are you doing with that? Mm, yeah. So it's like going beyond that kind of like, it's almost like a vanity one. It's like, if you just go, yeah, as a, it's like stars, like yeah. having 7,000 stars in a repo is good. But like, what, what are you doing with this? Like, how do you, if you're a, a product that makes money, like how do you cash that in? Uh, yeah, there's, there was a project, a popular project today. Um, and they're onboarding for, they had a guide. And when you went through the onboarding, part of that uh, onboarding guide is like you authenticate with GitHub. And they had a webhook that would also start the repo after you onboarded. So like they were actually, um, they were early in this, uh, sorry, I don't want to I called them out directly, but they were early in a movement, like they're a new way to interact with databases. And because everyone wanted to learn how to do that thing, they had like a how to XYZ uh, tutorial. And they went to that tutorial, you authenticate to like, go build the thing you need to build. And then you would start the repo at the same time. Oh, so they, they told you like, we're going to teach you how to force people to start the repo. No, no. They, they would teach you how to use the, the, the technology. Oh, okay. Yeah. But okay. when you would use the technology, you would create a repo, but you'd also start the original repo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds uh, like a, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stars could be gamed. So yeah. like, I guess if you have over a thousand stars, you're relevant. Um, so like, like it's a top 1% of all GitHub has over 1000 stars. So like at that point, once you get a thousand, it doesn't even matter. Like unless you're top three projects on GitHub. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Cause like most, most stars end up petering out around 50,000 today. Uh, I imagine in a couple of years, it'll be a hundred thousand because of inflation, <laughs> inflation being like more people joining GitHub, more people learning how to code. Um, Printing stars. Yeah. Yeah. Stars is just like, it's not the thing to focus on. Yeah. 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 That's really good to hear. Um, do you have like, um, things that, do you have like a kind of a ranking of projects that I I've played around? I've seen like you do, don't you? You have like, you can see like the hottest kind of. Yeah. So we have hot open pizza, which is, it's not ranked by stars. It's ranked by, um, most, like most recently created. Uh, so like usually, Usually if you get like a hundred stars in a day, there's like a good signal that something's happening. And that's like a better metric. It's like, instead of having a hundred thousand stars, like how many stars you get today? Hmm. And if you have a hundred thousand stars and you get zero stars for the past three months, then it's a good signal. No one cares. <laughs> uh, but if you're constantly getting like a hundred stars each day, like there's a good signal. Okay. There's something happening here or there's something, if they're doing a really good, good job at marketing or <laughs> they paid a lot of money to get folks to start a repo. But like, that's a better signal. Uh, and that's like the stuff that we're, we're actually looking at. We're not exposing this today, uh, but that we're trying to figure out, um, rebuild what we, what I was using internally at GitHub. Uh, and we, we just recently uh, closed around the funding, which, um, gives us time to, 
uh, bring on another staff member to help engineer with us and uh, help. We're going to start discovering some of this stuff pretty soon. Yeah. Amazing. That's very exciting. Um, I think that's all we've got time for, um, Brian, but is there anything, if there was one thing that you would want like a dev tool founder listening earlier, someone working at dev tool to take away from this conversation? Yeah. Uh, I would say number one, build a good product. And then number two, please talk about it. Like that's, I think usually number two is where people fall off. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you and about, um, open source? Uh, we have a, a newsletter, sauce.ghost.io. Uh, it's a scroll to the bottom of opensauce.pizza and you can subscribe. We'd love more people on our newsletter talking about our product. And uh, you can find me, bdougie, yo on Twitter, bdougie on GitHub. And uh, if you at men- mention me in an issue, uh, I tend to respond to as well. So like use GitHub to to reach out. Let me, let me look at some stuff. Amazing. Thanks for joining, Brian. My pleasure. And thanks everyone for listening. <laughs>